For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Kless with my friend, co-host, and birthday boy, Ron Baker. <laughs> and on today's show, we're talking free rider, Ron, free I love rider it. Friday. I so love it. I can't wait. So we wanted to remind all of you that you certainly can call in if you want to participate in the free riding. And that number is 866-472-5790. Also, you can use the hashtag AskTSOE, which we monitor during the show if you've got a question for us and want to participate remotely. For those of you listening in arrears, as they say in accounting, well, you just have to use hashtag TSOE later, and uh, we will be sure to get to your questions at an, on another show. But, Rodney, we did have some of those, so looking forward to, to talking to some of our readers, at least indirect, or listeners indirectly today. Absolutely. But I um, want to start off with the Free Rider Friday. You ready, Ron? I'm gonna, you bet. I'm, I'm going to jump in. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ron. Happy birthday to you. And you know why I can do that, Ron? No. You know why? Because Why? happy birthday is now in the public domain. Oh. <laughs> in my stack of stuff was something I came across and I was like, holy crap, that's going to be awesome. It's Ron's birthday on our show. And the fact that happy birthday is now in the public domain is perfect <laughs> to talk oh, about. Don't have to pay a royalty for that like we do. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we So just tell... We did Matt, our producer. You don't have to worry. You don't have to go run into Roberts. They need a special dispensation for Happy Birthday. It's uh, it's now in the public domain. Can you believe that that was not in the public domain though? No, I would have swore it was. <laughs> Who wrote it, Ed? Do we? Do um, we know? Yeah, no. Well, and that's that's part of the reason why there's a controversy over this, right? Because it, it, at, at this point, it's been passed down from generation to generation. It was uh, originally written. Um, by uh, the Warner and Chappelle, right is the is the the name of it, uh, and um, the, but the Summy Company never acquired the rights properly. It was originally, and I, I never knew this. It was not the, the Happy Birthday was not the original lyric. Did you know no. that? No, no. Yeah, the original lyric is, and 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 my mom used to sing this to wake us up in the morning. The original lyric is "Good morning to you." Oh, that's where that co- okay. Uh huh. That's the original lyric, not "Happy Birthday," and they just like you know shifted the "Happy Birthday." So, 
but it is now not in the public domain. So, you know, that no longer do Fridays have to, you know, come in and do clap, 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 blah, 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 whatever. Right. Wow. <laughs> Maybe Actually, we should uh, maybe we should change our opening theme. <laughs> to happy birthday. There we go. So, uh, but the, you know the other weird part about happy birthday and this is a, a a kind of a fun thing that that I've done for for my kids is uh you know as you know Ron I I've I'm I'm self-taught playing the chords on piano. Right? right? And uh, one of one of the things that I, I've done to illustrate my kids the difference between a song that's in a major key and a minor key Mm-hmm. is to play happy birthday in a minor key. And when uh-huh. when you do that, it's actually, it's great because it sounds like a funeral dirge. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're all happy to know that happy birthday is now in the public domain and, and uh, we're all good to go on that. So anyway, <laughs> and, and happy birthday, my friend. How does it feel Thanks. to be 35? Uh, feels great, I'll tell you. It's- <laughs> 29th anniversary of it or something. <laughs> you can't do the math. You're a recovering accountant. It's, it's okay. True. You know, and I got a, you'll love this. Uh, this goes back to our very first show. Uh, I got a happy birthday notice from uh, Clear, which is the people at the airport, you know, that have the special lane. And, it, you know, thank you for being a loyal Clear member, you know, wishing you happy. And it says, efficiently yours. <laughs> Now, I'm sorry, but there's nothing warm, cuddly. You know, this is what we mean by the opposite of love is not hate. It's efficiency. Uh-huh. You don't, you, why not cordially or sincerely or, you know, with warm regard? Or, but no, efficiently yours. What does that mean? Well, I think they're linking to the fact that you're getting through security faster. Yeah, I'm sure. Right, that's Dude. my. That would be my yeah, take. Yeah. That that's what. That's where they're going with that. But but just doesn't it sound odd? It does sound odd. It sounds repulsive. <laughs> From a company that's trying to build a relationship with you, I mean, it just sounds odd. It sounds dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's naughty. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. So the clear wished you an efficient birthday. Yes. No. Well, no, they said efficiently yours. Yeah. They just, no. their, their sign off, I thought was odd. That Never is, saw that, that before. <laughs> Maybe that's how we should start signing off our emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be good. That would, you know, just to see what the reaction is from people. You know, there, there was a time, I no longer do it, but there's a time, and if any of you have ever received an email from me, you probably can go back to your stack of email stuff but i i had a i had a little bit of a protest in me you, this is going to surprise you ron that i would protest something but that we we had this we had this disclaimer that we had to include at the bottom of every email right and what was interesting and you know all big companies do this and i get it right but was really interesting about the the disclaimer is that it was it was contradictory and what happened was, is it was it said, okay, if, if you if you're reading this and it's an error, you think this is an error to to you, right? Uh, please delete and said, please delete this email without having read it. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. I, I actually said that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I if I delete it, doesn't that do, do, aren't I admitting that I, <laughs> that, 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 I read read it? It, that I read it? I mean. So, so what I did was, is, is, is in order to protest that, what I did is I, I put at the end of that little disclaimer, and which was in like, you know, point two font on the email, right? I, I put the words, so there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> at the end. And if yeah. it, and if anybody ever, if, if anybody inside the company had ever called me on it, I would have said, "Look, uh, yes, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. But you know what? This is contradictory, and I and I don't think it's legal. But fortunately, it has been fixed. So I took the so there out. Wow. So Ed, I didn't know that, but you know that I was going to say uh, that at the end of the Monty Python movie, the Holy Grail, they have mm-hmm. this, you know, that long standard disclaimer. It's the last thing that shows up on the credits. Yep. They also have at the very end of that. So there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the only I think way the first you know time... that is being a Python fan that sits through all the credits, right, in the big right. screen, so you can read it. But that I always thought that was hysterical. Yeah, I'm. Pr- I'm pretty sure that the first time I, I saw that wasn't a Python film. It was. It was the movie Airplane. They did it too. Oh, did they do? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Big, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, but I'm sure Python Python was probably beat them to it because I'm sure there yep. were Python films out before Airplane was. So I think so. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. all right. All right. Well, there you go. So the happy birthday, Ron, and, and your turn. Thank you're you. you're a stack of stuff now. Well, you know, we've been talking about airplanes with all this, so I want to bring up something from the Washington Post. A guy named Christopher Elliott. This is from the September 17th issue, and just uh, he says full disclosure. He is the co-founder of uh, Travelers United, and he is basically advocating for more airplane space. This is now a human right, Ed, that you have more airplane space. Because, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're lamenting the fact that airline legroom has plummeted, get this, from 35 inches in 1970s to about 31 inches today, and the average width of a coach class seat has contracted from 18 inches to about 16 and a half. And of course, they have to say that you know this has incredibly benefited airlines, which are now enjoying record profits. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> and, and you know, there's two groups: Travelers United, and another group called Flyers Rights. They've been lobbying the government. They've been lobbying the FAA. Uh, and they're doing this not only for comfort concerns, but health and safety issues. And this guy actually admits that it's going to be the safety issue that, that puts this over the top and, mm. and gets the government to, to step in and do something about this. And, uh, you know, he says, I, I foresee a time when the minimum space standards on airplanes is as readily accepted as the idea that all cars should have seat belts. Okay. And so where's the, what's the safety issue? <clears throat> that you can't evacuate as fast ah. if if you're packed in there like sardines. There's also concerns about if you're disabled, um, right. you know, and and things like that. And and, and you know that he, he this just cracked me up. He said I had the opportunity to visit the Canadian Museum for Human Rights in Winnipeg, and he said I viewed a rare copy of the Magna Carta. Could we also have a basic right to space on an aircraft? No. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy, this is so over the top. I'm sorry. I'm going to be indelicate here. I'm going to borrow a line from C.K. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he said this. He said in another context, but talking about airplanes, he said, you know what? The Wright brothers would kick us in the balls. <laughs> He was talking about you know being delayed thirty minutes on the tarmac. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that. Yes, you know a federal offense, and we should be able to sue the airline. And, and right. he said, "Sorry, the Wright brothers would kick us in the balls." 
<laughs> and I just thought that was such a funny line, but it's so true. It's like, ah, oh, give it up, Wilbur. They'll have to wait a half hour and their 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 seat <laughs> is gonna shrink for day. these guys laid down on their airplane when they first you know, what's with with the propeller behind them, by yeah. the way, which I was always like, what is going on with that? That's a little bit of a design flaw. OSHA would be like all over. I'm sorry, Wilbur Orville. No, you can't. <laughs> no, can't uh, no. But you know, this this brings up the whole, and we talked about this on our ethics show. But this brings up the whole difference between a negative right and a positive right. And our society, our system, at least here in the U.S., is based on negative rights. Right, that my right to free speech or my right to own a gun doesn't impinge on yours, and it doesn't impose an obligation on you. But if I have all these positive rights, then somebody else has an obligation to provide them. And if we all have a right to more airplane space, then that means somebody's got to provide it. And it's just it's just a bastardization of of the word rights. Right. That, well, it's free, freedom gonna, from freedom too. Right. It's negative rights, positive rights, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But then to, you know to say that this isn't operating in a free market, that there's not different airlines out there. I mean, I know JetBlue, for instance, as you move to the back of the plane, their seats get bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give you more room because they figure, well, that's the trade-off for sitting in the back of the plane, which I always thought was kind of cool. But the market can take care of this. Of course. Some group of busy bodies, you know, this is the ultimate namby-pamby organization, you know, eat your vegetables. Um, they're trying to get the government to come in and coerce airlines. And, of course, the airlines are fighting this. But uh, mm-hmm. I just thought that this was ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things, Ed, where – you know, things start out as being ridiculous, but then they have a way of taking over. No. Like, the seatbelt is a great example. Or, you know, we used to be able to smoke on an airline. And they said, well, no, we'll just ban it in certain sections. And, of course, now you can't smoke at all. Not that I'm advocating for that. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. this type of incrementalism, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I know. It, it, it expands out. I got a funny story, and then we got to go run through a break here. But my 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 uncle Tom, uh, who uh, really brilliant guy, but you know he huge smoker, huge. I mean, just like two, maybe three packs a day. I don't know how the man is still living, but he he uh, he his thing was I want to be in the bathing section. Okay, I, mean, <laughs> I want to make sure the guy next to me has bathed. That's what I want. If, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you're going to put me in the no smoking section, fine. But I want to be next to a guy who's bathed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, on, on that note, let's let's jump to a break. And uh, but again, you can uh, hashtag Ask TSOE uh, to get a hold of us today. Uh, we certainly want to let you know that you uh, are more than welcome to call in to the show. We're happy to have you uh, and maybe even take your call today. So that'd be fantastic. But right now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing. Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. 
Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. That's such awesome music. I love that song. <laughs> good tune. Good tune. Perfect for so, what we're so doing, Ed, too. Now that we have a, a, a constitutional right or a human right, I should say, for, for more airline space, what do you have for us? No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk I about I want more question. rights. You want more rights? You want, I want more what, rights. What rights should we have? How about a right to like low-priced pharmaceuticals? Oh, you, of course. You knew this one was coming up, right? Yes. You knew this was going to be in the stack of stuff. So what do you think about our friend Martin, I, and I will? I haven't heard his name pronounced, um, Skellery? Skellery? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I don't know. CEO of Turing Pharmaceuticals apparently um, decided that he was going to increase the price of Daraprim to $750 a pill from its current price of $13.50. Now, the deal was, I guess, this, this drug, which is used sometimes, and I think this is, this is the operative word here, this is used sometimes for AIDS patients who have a condition that is serious to people with AIDS called toxoplasmosis, mm-hmm. right? Serious and sometimes deadly condition uh, that most of us possibly even have. We probably have this this. Uh, this in our bodies, but it's only if you have AIDS, which is an immune deficiency right. syndrome, that you would actually need this. But there are other people like this. This drug has been around for decades, mm-hmm. absolutely decades, and there are an estimated 327 deaths annually, uh, 4,400 hospitalizations due to toxoplasmosis a year. Now, I don't know what the percentage-wise. Of people that are that are that also have the AIDS virus or HIV, who are included in that, and by my guess, it would be fairly high, right? Um, oh, here it is. Interesting enough, about sixty million people, nineteen percent of the U.S. population, are infected with this without knowing it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just so, so that our immune <laughs> systems can deal with it. Can deal with it, and it's not a big deal, right? Right. So, uh, so, so fa- fairly small marketplace, and this guy, he, he's, I, he, you know, he's he's a hedge fund manager, Ron. Hedge yeah, well, fund. that's evil, right there. Yeah. Right. So, the, the, so therefore, right. <clears throat> um, 
And when he took over this control of this organization, he bumped it up to $750 a pill. Yes, there were all kinds of stuff from uh, uh, people saying, well, you know, this is highway robbery, etc. You know, and I, and I think about this. I said, well, okay, well, let's, let's really look at this. Um, how many of these people are, are, would, would probably get that pill through some kind of a government-funded program anyway? You know, Medicare Part D or what have you, mm-hmm. right? So they're not going to actually pay the $750 price. How many people are, are insured for it, right, versus how many people are actually going out and paying the $13.50 price today, mm-hmm. right? And then throw in the fact that, I don't know, and this did not come out for quite for when this was initially reported, but this is a generic. Mm. So right? it's off patent. It's off patent, right? Now, this I is, thought, Ed, this guy had bought the patent or did he buy the drug he bought no he bought the company that produced the only company that produces the drug and here's what i don't here's what i have not gotten clarity because i'm searching for this and i can't find it but i saw reported and again this is unconfirmed and i and admit if somebody knows out knows out there knows one way or the other please let us know right that it while it's it's not on patent there is an FDA re- regulation that allows this guy to have basically an exclusive right to produce. Right. In other words, there is there are regulations in place that if, if you and I wanted to you know start up a, a, a company that that produced uh, Daraprim, right? The hurdles that we would have to jump through, mostly through the FDA, right? would not allow us to do it. So there can't be any added competition to the marketplace. And even, and, and this is this is what I can't get clarity on, even another organization that, say, is already clear to make, I don't know, vitamins or something, so already has FDA approval to mix chemicals in such a way, would they be able to add it to their, their list, thereby adding to the competition? And I haven't been able to seek that piece of it out because if that's true, then this is not a free market problem ever. <laughs> it's not sure. a free market problem to begin with because, we, we, as we said, we all know this, what is it, 50, 60 plus percent of the people on this would not be paying for it out of pocket, right? Right. Minimum. So it's not a, it's, it's, there's clearly not a free market in healthcare or for, for pharmaceuticals. So to blame this on the free market is insane. But, but, but I, it, it, I think this is going to turn out in the end to be more of a, a, a problem with government and government regulation than it is with this guy increasing the price. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You know, I, I've done a lot of uh, research on the FDA, and and uh, you know, there's an economist at the University of Chicago by the name of Sam Peltzman, who, who's just done incredible amounts of of research on this, and you know, claiming that the FDA has killed more people than it's saved uh, by delaying drugs and and making them more costlier and taking longer to bring to market and things like that. And I just, you know, especially when you're talking about. Uh, life-saving drugs for like really rare diseases where hey your only other choice is death so why wouldn't you give this a last shot and we can't even get those types of drugs into people's hands quickly enough even though their doctor says this is their only hope Mm -hmm. you know um and it's just it's frustrating i i I think the fda is just i think it's part of what gilder would say is is uh you know sending noise through the channel (laughs) and blocking learning Right. No, it, it does block learning because, it, again, if, if, if your choice is between taking this pill and death, what is the, what is the difference, as you point out, right? Um, and, and even from an ethical perspective, it, well, you know, well, we have to put them in a double-blind study to see. Well, really, no, 
Right. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I suppose, yes, if this, we really want to know about it, there's got to be some kind of a double blind study, but give, give the person the pill. If they get better, great. Okay. It's fantastic. Hallelujah. And then let's try it on somebody else, you know, but I mean, I don't know, maybe I just don't understand science well enough to, to know, but on these, on these rare types of diseases, it, it, the double line system doesn't make much sense to me. Because we're going to let somebody die. I mean, I get it for Viagra, right? I get it for um, heartburn, right? But not life-threatening condition over a long period of time. I'm sorry. I just don't understand that. Right. No, there's a whole ethical uh, debate about the double-blind study and those types of – in in fact, in in any situation, is it ethical to put people into a trial and give them placebo, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and it is it does bring up some very interesting ethical dilemmas. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. So, ah, great, great stuff. But, I fig- I figured one of us would have that in the stack. Yeah, but, but let me just 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 finish this up, and I'll let you jump into the next. And if we have to jump over in another another segment on the next thing we talk about, I I want to say this. I think this guy was nuts for increasing the price that much. I, I, <laughs> I just from a from a pricer's perspective, right. I, I think that 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 there was that clearly there was a, there was a problem with the way that that it was it was rolled out, right? right. Um, so just from a from a pure pricing perspective, it, that makes no sense to me to make it to make it jump up so quickly. Do, do I blame him for increasing the price? No, right? But I, I just think that that it, it's just stupid. It's like you know what we've talked about before the, the the Coke machines that advertise, hey, we we get more expensive as the as the temperature goes up. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's a framing. Was it a framing effect, Ron? I mean, uh, yeah. Um, yep. yep. it's, it's a framing effect issue. And the fairness effect issue. Fairness which is effect. There. Fairness effect. Which, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Which is definitely there, and you've got it, and you got to think about it. But Ed, did he ever give any justification for why he increased the price? Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing. So yes, he did. He says because this is such a a, a little known disease. Right, that he wants to pl- he wants to take this money, this supposedly, I mean, sorry, but and 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 pl- and take the money and pl- and plunge it into new research for for better for for better medication because this is this is as I said decades old. Right, right, right. So that was that was his argument for it. Now, from a cost perspective, it it, it is on record that you can make this stuff for about a dollar a pill, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not a buck a pill. Right. So, oh well. Assuming you can clear all the FDA, the FDA hurdles, <laughs> right? Right. right. So, so, yeah, marginal cost of the bucket pill. Yeah, it, right. You know, it's one. It's one area. You know how we love to rail against justifying price increases by by uh, saying costs increase. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked about Starbucks on the last Free Rider Friday. Right. All that mm-hmm. about how they were increasing their prices, even though the cost of price uh, cost of coffee went down. Um, but, you know, in the pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, when I read, because that's one of their big justifications, right, the cost of getting a drug to market, going through the FDA hurdles, I have to say that's one segment that I have sympathy for with that argument because there's an enormous element of truth to it mm-hmm. that the regulations are, are, you know, definitely driving up the cost and time to market for a drug. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a fact. It's like it's, it takes a billion dollars now and in some over 10 years to do it. Right. Small companies can't even do it. They have to piggyback on the big boys to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. And it, so you know, and I'm not. I'm actually in favor of getting rid of the patent office and getting rid of. Uh, but but I, I the, the one the strongest argument that I've seen in favor of any of that stuff is is the uh, the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry. Um, 
But however, I think there's a really good argument to be made that is so much of that it really truly is also branding, right? And other, because otherwise, bare aspirin wouldn't continue to exist. Tylenol wouldn't con- continue to exist. No, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that you know, if you if you really had a world without patents, then you would have you would have trade secrets, right? Like Coke. Yeah. Exactly. And things like that. But you would still, patents and reputation, and I'm sorry, branding and reputation would still be incredibly important in that mm-hmm. world. And, and it probably wouldn't bring uh, innovation to a, a grinding halt without patents. Or maybe the patents could be a heck of a lot shorter than just 17 years. Yeah. There's also some other really interesting patent reform ideas. In fact, The Economist had a big write-up on it. It's in my stack of stuff, but not for the show. <laughs> it's, <laughs> All a, right. it's, pretty, it's a pretty deep topic, as you know. We've chatted about it quite a bit, and it makes my head hurt. But <laughs> Yeah, no, tr- very true. <laughs> Very true. And hey, we're up against a break here, Ron. So we want to remind you, hey, listen, uh, we, listen uh, to a few uh, past shows on thesoulofenterprise.com. Uh, we certainly want you to uh, also hashtag AskTSOE, or if you prefer email, uh, email us at AskTSOE at Verisage.com. But in the meantime, let's hear from our sponsor, Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here on a Free Rider Friday, and we'd like to remind you, keep those iTunes reviews coming. We know many of you listen on demand, and that really helps us. And if you'd like to send uh, me or Ed an email, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We do monitor that live during the show at hashtag asktsoe. And, Ed, we have a tweet from Tim Rodman. Oh, okay. Question for us on Twitter. 
Tim asks, if using timesheets means you are, quote-unquote, practicing Marxist, because we yes. love to say that, yep. how bad would a Bernie Sanders win be for the Verisage mission? <laughs> Tim, great question. Great sense of humor. I <laughs> oh, love it. Oh uh, my goodness! How do you answer? Well, I, I'll just say, I'll I'll just go on record and say the chances of Bernie Sanders winning the presidency are pretty slim. I would agree with that assessment. It's, I would say that they're probably right up there with Donald Trump's chances yep. of winning the presidency. I think this that right now what we're we're experiencing is. A uh, the the prelim to the to the real campaign, which probably won't kick off in, until um, after the first of the year. Uh, I, I I just I just think that the American public is it, 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 we we only pay attention for a very small period of time, and uh, I I I think that you know that's the, that's the popularity of Trump right now. I I guess it could be different because he's got the bucks behind him too. You know, and he can really, really roll in. I, I don't know if Bernie will that be that well funded. Although I hear he's doing really well from a fundraising standpoint. Sure. Uh, I, but I, but I just I just don't think that it is really it's it's not the the, the people the popular it's it's going to be the, the the grassroots of each uh, party. That well, I shouldn't say the grassroots. I should say the, the apparatus, the the apparat checks in both the Republican Democratic parties that are going to prevent this from happening. Yeah, I. I you know, and, and in terms of how it would affect our mission, I, I don't, I don't think it would. I mean, we kind of use that practicing Marxist line. I mean, we we believe it, and mm-hmm. but you know, it. Uh, I, I I think just the um, the state of the professions are just making the billable hour and the timesheet just become obsolete. They're just being supplanted by t- technology and and just hey, that this thing's over a hundred years old and it's just now be you know it's it's obsolete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but no. but great great question, Tim, and it's a great segue into uh, m- my next topic, Ed, which is um, as you saw earlier, I think it was last week, I got an email from our our good friend Brent Eukin. He's a principal mm-hmm. at Ernst and Young, and it was about KPMG, one of the big four accounting firms in Australia, and it actually says it's disrupting itself by creating KPMG Marketplace which is going to offer the downtime of its staff to their okay. customers for short-term jobs. So you're going to be able to rent, you know, a, a, a CPA basically for short-term jobs, like maybe CFO or an accounting project or something at a discounted hourly rate. And here's the thing that, that caught me, the, the partner, Martin Shepard, uh, who's KPMG's Australia's lead brand and innovation partner, likens this to an airline maximizing yield by selling last-minute seats cheap. Now, <laughs> when I read this, I'm like, really, this is their idea of disruptive innovation because, you know, that's a loaded term. That, that's got sure. a really specific meaning. That, that comes from Clayton Christensen's book, The Harvard Business Professor, Disruptive Innovation. We're mm-hmm. not just talking about a sustaining innovation that kind of, you know, you, you get a new version of the iWatch update or something like that. A disruptive innovation is something that dramatically changes everything, right? It's a game changer. Right. And this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a disruptive uh, innovation. But what kills me is this equivalence of, of saying that this is like an airline maximizing yield 
by selling last-minute seats cheap, please point me to an example of any airline in the world that sells last-minute seats cheap. <laughs> they do yeah. the exact opposite. I, I would say that that is mostly true. I would say that is mostly true. I think they the airlines run. They, they will... If they have available lots of availability on a particular flight, and they know that they're not going to be able to sell it to business class, they'll. They, I've seen, you know, American at least will even send me an email and say, "Hey, listen, you know, if you want to go to New York, it's ninety nine bucks this weekend." Well, no doubt that they run deals and things like that, and you might be able to get something on Travelocity or Priceline or something, but. As a general rule, they oh, probably, as a general, yeah, I mean, yeah, as a general rule, as they're as general doing the exact rule, opposite. Yeah, no, it's just like the hotels; they've gotten just so much better at, at, at capacity planning, and that's what yield management—that's a big component of it—is capacity planning that they can project their capacity, so they're not in a situation where they have a ton of unsold last-minute seats. Right. Um, but but besides that, I put that put that big pricing blunder aside. The other thing that just really bugs me about this is here you have excess, quote unquote, excess capacity, which, which I think in and of itself is, is a problem because this is pure efficiency over effectiveness, right? right? Oh my God, these people are, are standing around. So better to sell them at, you know, 20 cents on the dollar than let them be idle. Mm-hmm. Well, how about investing in their intellectual capital? <laughs> I'm just going to go, how, how yeah. How about letting them educate themselves or take a graduate course or write a book or, or something, you know, why is it that if they're idle, oh, we can't have that. We've got to keep these people, you know, like machines turned on all the time. I mean, it's just, it's purely the efficiency over effectiveness mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, God forbid we should give them time to, I don't know, think. And, yeah. and, 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 and innovate. Even, and, 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 and got rebuild their emotional capacity. So when there's lots of deadlines, when there's lots of things that are due in a short period of time, which you know we agree with this this whole idea of deadlines, right? And sometimes that they stack up, right? Yeah, I got to land more planes in a shorter period of time. Yep. That they are they have built their emotional capacity up, man, uh, to to the point where they are able to handle those more stressful situations. This, I, I mean, I can, I, I, I hear if Howard Hansen and Steve Jeske are listening to the, the just screaming at the top because this, this is, you know, all about that whole idea of, of, of transactional versus chronic anxiety. You've just ratcheted up the chronic anxiety in the organization and have written a prescription for it to never leave the organization, never. Right, right, and and you know I also hear Tim Williams screaming too, because from a branding perspective and a positioning perspective, oh yeah, to put the brand KPMG Marketplace on this, and and you know sell this excess time at a discounted and it's it's a discounted hourly rate by the way, which is even more frustrating to me. But this is going to destroy or or tarnish their brand and their pricing integrity of the mothership. Yeah. If you're going to do this, do it under a separate name, people. <laughs> the heck is wrong with my alma mater? I mean, do this under a separate name. I, I know they're probably thinking, well, no, we need the, you know, the cachet of the KPMG brand. But no, all you're doing is you're destroying your branding integrity. This is Tim's contrast between magic and logic, mm-hmm. right? The magic work should come in at a high price. The logic work can be sold cheaper, but... Um, you know, the advertising agencies that have split those two functions 
do it under a separate name. In fact, Ogilvy has a group called Redworks. Now, it's mm-hmm. owned by Ogilvy, but it's a separate brand because that, that houses all the logic and the lower value work, right? Yep. And they charge lower prices, but it doesn't hurt the pricing and branding integrity of the mothership. You know, yeah, you know, it's funny. You in just talking about this, you reminded me of something. Do you remember the blog post that I did? This is a long time ago. It's like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and we'll get it up there. Uh, where where I took the picture of this thing in, in in a town near near me, where they were advertising, and this was the name of the firm was Brains by the Hour. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that, and it caused right. firestorm. Oh, because I, you know, I said okay, my, the, I think the title of the post was you know No Brains by the Hour, you know, and I right. just <laughs> laced in, into them, and they they actually contacted me. I guess they they they, they yep. found a Twitter or whatever, and there was an exchange back and forth on yes, on my. Was. I think it was it was it, was, it might have been Verisage or, or my website. I forget. But we're, we're going back and forth with with you know, and you're just making blah blah blah. Um, I, you, and you just talking to us made me think, and I did a certain brains by the hour is no more, Ron. Brains. No. <laughs> brains by the hour doesn't exist anymore. It uh, went out of business. It's, it's like it's like surgeons by the hour. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Sign me up. Sign me up with the brain surgeons by the hour, by the please. Hour. <laughs> That's that's yeah. I've got a very serious uh, pr- problem with with my brain cancer, and I'm really looking for the excess capacity brain surgeon. Yeah. Can you? I, can you? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that. I posted this on our, our Verisage uh, Facebook group, and I think somebody, it might have been Peter Wolf, came in um, you know, from Azamba, one of our sponsors, and said, well, why do they have excess capacity in the first place? <laughs> now, you know, we, we do believe that no firm should operate anywhere near full capacity. I mean, you shouldn't be at 90, 80. I don't even think you should be at 70%. You need to be at 60%. Um, but this just this just killed me, and then to 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 label it disruptive innovation is just again a complete misunderstanding of that term. This is not an innovation, nor is it anywhere near disruptive. I think <laughs> it, I think it's a great example of a really bad idea, and I don't care how well they execute this, you know how well it's implemented, it's going to be a bad idea, and it's just going to tarnish their brand. Yep. No, I agree. Can't cannot agree more with that. And well, we'll have to see. We'll have to study it. Maybe they, maybe they will do better than Brains by the Hour did. But yeah. <laughs> so Ed, I know we're up against it here. But if you want to start your your uh, your next topic, well, I want to I want to talk to you know that you know that we both follow this. But the Economic Freedom of the World uh, Index just it was released again. The Fraser Institute came out with their right. latest version. Yep, and uh, wanted to talk a, a little bit about that, and and I, I guess the U.S. has has not fallen any further. <laughs> <laughs> Good because we've been we've been on a downhill. Slope. Yeah, we have been. We're we're down at six sixteen, <laughs> which is huge, Ed, because we used to be at like what four. Yeah, we might have been as high as three at some point. Yeah. But, um, Wanted wanted to, to just to just go th- go through this with you quickly, and I know we're coming up against a break, but just think about this. Here's here's the top five. Ready? Hong Kong, Singapore, New Zealand, Switzerland, and United Arab Emirates. Yep. You know, New Zealand's constantly up there. In fact, the reason I know this is because every time I speak down there, I always show this ranking because they're they are so high. But yeah, wow, that that's frustrating that we're slipping that far. Pretty pretty crazy stuff. But well, let's let's pick up on this after the break. Uh, anyone, if you want to get a hold of us, please hashtag AskTSOE. 
want to want to thank Tim for that great question. So if anybody else is out there, we we love that lead lead in and, and work it into the show. And uh, when we do get back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, BJ Leron, who is has also been on Twitter with us, and we want to share the 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 high satisfaction day that you and I were able to receive through BJ and what he's doing with fixed price agreements in a very different industry. But right now, we're going to hear from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Riding on Friday here, Ron. We've got one last segment left, and just uh, we did give the top five of people who uh, countries. I'm sorry countries, that rank yeah. among the. Um, Economic Freedom Index, according to the Fraser Institute. I really would love to do a show. Maybe we'll, I'll try and get a hold of. I did have a ran into somebody down here at SMU who was uh, in, instrumental in putting the previous reports together. So I thought, see if I can contact him, see if he wants to be on the show. I think it'd be a fascinating topic to talk about. It would um, be. But the bottom five, the bottom five from from at from or two two absolute worst. So coming in at 153rd would be Syria. There's a shock. <laughs> right. uh, uh, Chad, uh, uh, Libya, Congo, and Venezuela. Uh, w- w- yeah, we'll go. Now that's that's because they don't even rate North Korea, do they? Uh, you know, yeah, that's right. No, I don't think North Korea is not even on this because they can't get the data at all. I mean, they data. can't get that right. Nothing exists on it. So it's, you know, which I'm sure is even lower. But um, because at least Venezuela exports, at least Venezuela exports shortstops to, yeah. you know, <laughs> to Major League Baseball. So they, they've got that going for them. But, I, you know, you got a quick look at this and, and say, and what I what I love is people say, well, it, you know, isn't isn't Chad a great example of libertarian policy? No, hey. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, well, no. 
No, it's not. It's it's not at all. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but it's anarchy. No, it's not anarchy. Actually, it's it's not anarchy at all. It's complete government control, is what it is. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. That it's well, anyway. Right. All and, right. And so this is the Freedom Report, right? This is from yes. It, yes. Is that Cato and Fraser, or just well, this one it, that I have is just Fraser. It's just Fraser Institute because there's all sorts of these rankings, right? There's like economic freedom, and then there's political freedom, and this you, is specifically you, economic freedom economic of the world freedom. 2015 annual report so i and i think cato is somewhat involved but yeah it's, it I, comes I'm, from fraser sure. primarily right okay yeah because they, they all have their own criteria you know currency control and import tariffs and those right. you know taxation and all that so they weigh many different factors but yeah mm-hmm. so I, yep. i'm always curious to see if <laughs> if we've slid any more in their <laughs> thinking it's depressing yeah. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about t- some of the the things that we've we've heard this week from some of our listeners. So, and thank you all, please, for keep keep those cards and letters coming. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and the first one that is BJ uh, Lee. He is a, a vocal coach, which which is yeah, which is great. It's fascinating. And and he started out by asking us about you know. Um, how would you price if you were a vocal court coach? And we both kind of came at him and said, well, you know, we, we, we suggest that you offer options. And then he tried role playing this with his, I think his spouse. And mm-hmm. um, he said, you know, it, 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 she kept asking me, well, what's your hourly rate? What's your hourly? And it just kind of <laughs> degenerated. We said, no, no, you got to get over that. You got to, if you give options and then uh, what, just today, I believe this morning or uh, uh-huh. yep, he tweeted yep. us and said, uh, you know, he he presented his first student uh, with three options, and the student picked the highest priced one. I, I, and I and I wrote him back in, in a tweet back. I actually got chills reading that this morning. I did too. I, yeah, he he actually said offered three options to potential vo- voice student. They took the top one, jaw drop, <laughs> made, <laughs> made more than ever. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> well, and 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 BJ, you. you know what? This this customer is going to be happier. This customer is going to be happier. Not only are you making more, but this customer is going to be happy. Why? Because when you work with this person, whoever this is, you're going to be focused on really, truly helping them and getting and attaining not only effectiveness, but even efficaciousness, because you're not going to be worried about the time. You're not going to, oh, it's time to go. I mean, so if it goes over three minutes, whatever, or even if you've got to spend an extra 15 with this, whatever it is, this person is not going to stay at your house or wherever you give your lessons forever. Right. They're right. not going to do right. that. Right. So uh, but you but you will this this customer is going to be even happier than the than the ones. Welcome. You're never going back, BJ. Yep. He's 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 ridden the backwards bicycle and you just can't go back to riding a regular bicycle. Nope. Uh, but it, it would be interesting, uh, BJ, to know uh, how you framed your offerings, what type we, we kind of gave him some generic advice on this ed, like turnaround time access to him. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if your student has questions, you know, outside of the lessons, can they call and ask, you know, what kind of access do you have? It'd be interesting to know how he framed his three options, because one of the things that I found really resonates with this, and I've heard you say this multiple times. In fact, I shamelessly stole this from you is even when you go get your car washed, you see three options. Yeah. My, my place offers four, by the way, uh-huh. which I have to give them credit. They started out with three, but they've added a fourth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's because, you know, it leads more people to buy the top 
the top option, the third option, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so rather than dropping the price out of the fourth option, um, but it's so true that, that it makes the customer happier. Because you know what? Sometimes I only want an external wash. I don't mm-hmm. need an internal wash. So that makes me happier that they have this low price option there. Right. So right. pretty interesting. You have signed in. Interesting stuff. That's great, BJ. Thank you so much. You, you definitely uh, gave both Ed and myself a, an enormous HSD. We love we love stories like that, folks. They, they really make us uh, feel good, and that's why we do what we do. Yep, yep. And we should quickly explain it for those of you: HSD, High Satisfaction Day. So, yes, actually, a trademark term uh, out of a, a consulting group here in Napa called the New Level Group, and they actually coined the term HSD, which is High Satisfaction Day. So, just a shout out to them as well. But the other tweet we got, uh, Ed, that um, this one was aimed at me and my wallet. I'd like to thank. <laughs> I'd like to thank <laughs> I'd like to thank Justin Royer. He's got a great memory because he's, he's uh, obviously this stuck with him. But he said, Ronald Baker, he said, um, you know, get your checkbook out. And he linked to a, a study in a, a post in Mashable, which is about Apple's electric car given 2019 launch date. There you go. Apple has set a 2019 launch date for its first ever car, putting Project Titan into com- committed project, in quotes, Ed, status. And get this, and I didn't know this, it, w- it won't be an electric, it will be an electric vehicle. Okay. Uh, and you know what? Apple has been snapping up employees from Tesla. 46 yes. of them. Did hear that. Did and hear that. the Wall Street Journal, the 600-member team of this Project Titan has been approved to triple its ranks. Hit Dang. A ship date of 2019. So now th- they say that the initial Apple car will not be self driving um, because, you they know, they say, they say, they, but, <laughs> you know, they, they realize it's going to take some time. Have you noticed that even some of the early manufacturers like Mercedes and Nissan that said they're going to be selling one of these things in 2017 or 18, or I even heard 19 from Nissan. Mm-hmm. Well, now Mercedes is saying 2021 mm. for a fully autonomous Mercedes-Benz S-Class. Okay. And, and, and you know what? Google isn't even, they stopped talking about a date. Have you noticed that? I, I know. And I wonder, I wonder if, they, if that's because they're actually getting closer or they're 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 having difficulty go the you know the last mile right always always the the big challenge on some of this stuff you know but I also think and this is this is just from my political understanding uh, because I when I was running for for uh, Texas State Senate I did some research into this you know part of the part of the challenge is the 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 current laws the current legislation like in Texas. In Texas, it you but legally it has to be a the vehicle has to be run by a human operator. Human, yep. And there's only three states where it's been cleared: California, Nevada, and uh, Michigan. Yeah, I don't know if it's Michigan. It's not Michigan. I think it's another West Coaster. Oh really? Uh, Okay. I thought I thought it was either Florida. I heard Florida, Michigan. Maybe they've allowed testing on their roads. Right. Right. Uh, no, but there, but three states have actually cleared it so that it's it's right. legal. Right. Definitely, um, that is in there because that's where they ran the autonomous truck. Right. Uh, 
But yep. yeah, no, no, I think you're I, I think you're right. And I think this is part of Apple's thing too about why they're saying it's not going to be autonomous because they realize that the legislation, the laws are going to have to catch up mm-hmm. you know, to this thing, and that is going to be a major monkey work. But you know the other thing, I've got another article on this, this is out of the Economist, but they they estimate that cars are idle ninety six percent of the time, mm-hmm. uh, which is fascinating. And and you know, talk about Google, efficiency, inefficiency. Right, Google rec- reckons that in an autonomous car world, you would have utilization rates of more than seventy five percent. We got to do a whole show on driverless cars. I just decided it, we got to do a whole show and, on and it. And Ed, what that what they think that means is just thirty percent of the cars that we now have on the road would be needed. Wow. So wow. to wipe out 70% of the cars. So again, this is going to have major implications for the car companies and all sorts of business models out there that it's going to disrupt. That's disruptive in- innovation. That's disruptive innovation. Not yes. selling excess time. <laughs> Amen, brother. All right. <laughs> so, Ed, what do we have on store for next week? Next week, one of our shows that we do on a monthly or actually by bi- monthly basis are, are on Entrepreneur Heaven. And we have George Eastman, James Cash Penny, the Wright Brothers, and Anita Roddick will be profiling those four individuals next week on The Soul of Enterprise, and we will see you in 167 hours. This has been The Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com and wish Ron Baker a happy birthday. One, two, three, four.